Welcome to the Econ Dev Show. We explore the strategies, ideas, and insights that are driving economic development forward into the future. You'll hear new insights from passionate EDs about their successes and struggles. And you'll learn from attraction and retention experts about how to apply actionable strategies inside your EDO. We'll help take your organization, your community, and your career to the next level. Here's your host, Dane Carlson. Our episode today is brought to you by Cathode Ray Media. Welcome back to the Econ Dev Show. Today we're here with Martin Vonix. He is the founder and CEO of Martin Carl Consulting. Martin, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Excited to be here. I've been uh, listening and watching you for a long time, so uh, very excited to be part of this. Well, I appreciate that. You've been in economic development and in community development and city management and the private sector for a very long time. Um, oh, you had you to have, say that, huh? <laughs> well, I did have to say that. 35 years, in fact. So, I mean, right, that, right. Is, that is quite a while. But right, you have is. an interesting perspective. You, your consulting company publishes blog and uh, newsletter, and you always write such interesting um, content that is helpful and it's inspiring and um, I find it really useful. So how did that, you. you know, how did you get into that and how did that get started? Well, you know, newsletters, I, I, if I really think about it, going way back to my first job out of grad school was uh, uh, working for a city as an assistant city manager. And one of the things I was in charge of was writing the newsletter. So uh, when I really think about it, it goes way back. Uh, to that time. And um, now uh, newsletters seem to be the thing that captures people's attention. It's a it's a good way for an economic developer, for a private sector company, for anybody to, to uh, communicate to their to their uh, constituents, to their uh, target audience. And so as a former practicing economic development uh, president and CEO, uh, I am now uh, an independent consultant, and I thought, how do I get my information out short of advertising and, of course, going to the uh, requisite trade shows and other things? Uh, I decided to do a newsletter. First of all, I like to write. I like to read. And so I thought, I'm just going to share the things that I like and that I think are pertinent to economic development. So that's kind of where I started. In your bio, you describe having been trained as a futurist and in human <laughs> performance. What, are the, what does yes. that mean? All right. So every year when I worked uh, for different agencies, I thought, how do I expand my thinking? How do I grow and how do I add value to this position above and beyond going out and doing the recruiting and the BRE and all the other things that economic developers do? How can I differentiate myself and, and learn? Uh, and so each year I would go to a seminar or conference, something that is out of the realm of economic development necessarily. So, for example, uh, I most probably most recently I went to a conference on artificial intelligence. Now, all of a sudden, and that was like four years ago. Now, all of a sudden, artificial intelligence is the big thing that we're hearing about all of a sudden, uh, chat right. GPT and all these other things. And then uh, one year uh, I went to a uh, futurist conference. And one of the reasons I went years ago, I, in college, I read the book Future Shock. And, and 
And I've been to so many different seminars and, and conferences where they would hire a futurist. And at first you're like, okay, you know, what's he going to tell me? Flying cars, right? We know that, all those things. But, right. you know, what does a futurist do? And, and after I would, my skepticism would, would wane, I would listen to this person. It's like, that would be a fun job. <laughs> that would be a cool thing to do is sit there and look at a crystal ball and decide what the future is. And so I took it upon myself uh, to go and get trained uh, in futures work. Uh, on the corporate side, they like to call it uh, strategic foresight uh, because futurism sounds kind of tin hat, you know, tin right. foil hat kind of thing. Uh, so it's strategic foresight. And it really is a, it's an element of strategic planning that allows you to plan for the future in a way that, uh, that so that future doesn't happen to you, but, but you pull the, yourself to the future. And so uh, there's all kinds of different tools you use, uh, but a futurist really looks at possibilities versus actually predicting the future. If a, if a futurist says, I'm going to predict the future, they really haven't been trained uh, to, uh, to do the kind of work that I would do. But uh, instead of doing the typical SWOT analysis, I would go into a community and look at uh, what's called driving forces, look at the focus question that they want to answer, which is, it might be, what's the future of uh, semiconductor industry in my community? Or what's the future of, of uh, uh, manufacturing or warehouse distribution or anything they might want to take a look at? Or just what's the future of the community? You look at uh, driving forces, which fall under the acronym of STEEP. Uh, which is uh, uh, social, technological, environmental, uh, um, yeah, and political, and um, and then you look at you look at that, and and you make these plausible and uh, dystopian and uh, utopian uh, stories about what the future might look like. So that's the short of it, if as short as I can do it, uh, but. I think that economic development organizations and communities that consider using this kind of method uh, will fare well because they'll be looking at the kind of things that I was looking at when I was looking at artificial intelligence. So that's the, that's the futures part of it. Well, that's fascinating. And I think at some point we might have to have you back on and talk and talk through that whole thing as yeah. a sort of yeah. a training. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. But, today, but today I want to talk about uh, climate change and how... Yes this sort of applies because you say that um, climate change is not just this challenge that, you know, this, the greatest challenge is facing humankind uh, in the near future, but it also could be an opportunity for economic developers. So right. yes. yeah, let, walk me yeah. through that. So when you think about, you know, we've been hearing about climate change ever since Al Gore uh, released his movie. Remember Al Gore? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah Invented the internet. Guy, you know? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, um, uh, he, you know, puts out his movie and people start talking about climate change. In fact, they've been talking about climate change before that, but uh, no one really took it seriously. And, and so for a long time, I think as economic developers, even myself working in different communities, I'd hear about it, but I wouldn't think much about it. It's like, okay, well, someone else will take care of that. You know, they'll, they'll, will deal with it. I don't need to deal with it. And as an economic developer, I've got so many other things that I'm thinking about or considering and needing to do. And my board is not going to buy into anything. And I, and, and frankly, my last position, I didn't, I never gave it any thought, but as I was leaving that and, and we were heading into the pand- pandemic, I thought, what, you know, what's going on? And, and in fact, I took a temporary interim position as a city manager 
And um, the question came, always kept popping up. And so with a lot of things, it's how you frame the question or how you frame the challenge that depends on how you're going to act or react. And so if you are always looking at uh, climate change as, oh, my God, this is a problem. We have to deal with it. You know, we have to mitigate. We have to um, adapt. This is going to be terrible. You know, how can we fight it? Uh, which is wrongheaded, I think. But bottom line is, if you reframe it to say, where is there an opportunity in this? And I think there's a ton of opportunity in climate change. Uh, so much opportunity and in, in, in dovetailed into everything we as economic developers do. So, for example, um, if you look at business recruiting, so, so many economic developers out there talking to site consultants and industries. If you look at your uh, targeted industries, your clusters, whatever they might be, you might look at them and say, hmm, um, automotive industry. There's an area where climate change has an impact. You know, so many communities, so many uh, businesses are now moving towards electric vehicles. That has to do with climate change. So, if you miss that boat or if you're not considering uh, what that might do to your community. Maybe you have an automotive uh, assembly plant right here, just east of where I live is a former Chrysler plant. Stellantis is the name of the company now. And they just announced that they're closing it after 45 years. Uh, the community should be looking at how do we adapt and what is the economic development opportunity to turn this factory and this assembly plant into uh, something that relates to electric vehicles. And I think they're doing that. I don't have the inside scoop on that. So uh, when you look at business retention and expansion, again, what are your businesses doing locally in regards to climate change? Are they adapting and, and looking at new lines of businesses? Are they pivoting uh, to a new type of product? Uh, maybe they should be pivoting. Uh, can you help them with that? Are there resources uh, does the state that you live in pro uh, providing resources? Of course, the federal government has got all kinds of uh, grants and, and things that they're doing under several different bills. So, you know, from business retention expansion uh, basics, you ought to be asking those kind of questions of your local businesses. And then, you know, startup entrepreneurship, hoping local businesses, uh, there's just so many opportunities there right now. And so if you as an economic developer are looking at, your overall plan, you might want to tweak it or make adjustments and uh, look at climate change from a totally different perspective, reframed as an opportunity versus a daunting challenge. That is interesting. It's sort of a contrarian view in oh, the yeah. sense that, you know, no, you know, you, you're almost saying it's an opportunity um, as opposed to just being this, you know, disaster. Right. So how do you present that? I mean, because maybe when you go to your board or you go and, you know, you're before the city council or what have you, and you're talking about these kinds of changes that you want to make, mm -hmm. um, I think it's, you probably have to be really careful in that you're right. not selling climate change as a feature. You're selling it as an opportunity and you kind of have to differentiate between those two because I can right. see how you could, Right. Any well, I think, yeah, I think yeah. language is a big issue here. I think because for a long time, uh, the discussion of climate change has been very polarizing, right? right? So you got people on both sides of the aisle saying it's real, it's not real. But I think 
over the past at least two years now, we've seen a lot of changes uh, from what we call, usually call weather, uh, but it really is, you know, how our climate is impacting weather. Uh, and I think there's people are beginning to come around. What's driving that as well is corporate America. Uh, you know, they are making pledges to reduce climate and, and to some extent, the, uh, the global uh, environment. Uh, way back 10, 15 years ago in another community I worked in, a guy came in and said, we want to turn your solid waste into jet fuel. And I'm like, yeah, right. Uh, but today, uh, airlines are looking at that. Uh, how do you turn solid waste, which has carbon in it, into jet fuel or green fuel that they can use? And, and uh, Europe, the European Union, is requiring airlines to use a certain amount of uh, green fuel, uh, and, and it has to increase each year. And so United Airlines, American Airlines, Delta, all our major airlines have to, to, have to go that direction. And so there's some things being driven. But bottom line, I think that as a, in a very local level, you have to come to your board of directors or your city councils or your county boards with data, real data. And that data is, is opportunities missed. So it's one thing to say, oh, the war- earth is warming, you know, and, and when you hear things like, oh, it's going to, the earth is going to warm by 1.2 degrees Fahrenheit. Like, you're, it's, yeah, well, so what, you know, how does that impact me? But Right. Apparently, it does impact us. But if you come to them and say, "Here, if we don't do this, you know how elected officials are. You say the other town across the mm-hmm. street there, they're doing it and, and they're they're going to succeed. They're going to get companies that are wanting to locate in a community that recognizes and provides incentives for these kind of things. And so you come to the you come to uh, to the table with real data, the potential for new opportunities. And you can uh, uh, dovetail into that equity and and all the other things that people are concerned about today. Uh, So I think that is one of the reasons why um, you can talk about climate change now than uh, when you couldn't talk about it before. And so I think people are coming around to that. That is interesting. So... In your consulting practice, have you had experience where communities maybe hadn't had any conversations about this and then you came in and you talked to them and then they moved forward with this and then maybe had some success or at but least... So far, it's limited. Um, most communities that consult with me have already made a commitment that this is something we need to do. And so they've had that discussion. I've not been involved in a community yet that has asked me to help them with with what I just talked about, which is the data. Um, How do you deal with that conversation? Um, And, you know, there's been some discussion at IEDC about it, but not enough about how to do it, deal with that. But, you know, it's interesting that some of the states, let's call them uh, uh, red states, that perhaps some of the leadership uh, poo-poos the idea of climate change, are very eager to... um, provide incentives for battery factories and electric car <laughs> companies right. and, and other things. So, you know, it is a, you know, say one thing, do another kind of thing, which is hard, I think, for a lot of people uh, to uh, manage in their mind. Uh, but I think um, overall, uh, I, I think as a consultant, climate change is a, is a growth industry. And, uh, and I think that we owe it as economic developers to our communities 
to give it some real thought and to uh, have those discussions. And if you can't have those discussions publicly, maybe it's the time to have some of those discussions with your key uh, people, your your mentors, the people that you trust, your your leaders that um, uh, either will understand it or won't understand it. But if but if but if as an economic developer, I think is if you're leading a community and you're not if you're not at least learning about it, um, right. You're going to be you're going to get caught behind. I really do think that, and I, I feel strongly and passionate about that. So let's say that somebody hears this and they have no idea where to start. They don't really know anything. They're in a community where this has never been discussed. How would they? How would you advise them to begin? Well, the first thing they could do is go to my website, and uh, at the website uh, martincarlconsulting.com, uh, under the heading climate. Uh, you can download for free a uh, five-step guide on climate change opportunity. That's the name of it. And that document, it's about 25 pages long, has five steps in there about how to get the conversation started, essentially. And it includes uh, templates, all kinds of tips and steps and strategies uh, to get that conversation rolling uh, with your community. Uh, that's step number one. Um, and from there, you know, you can you can do a lot of different things. Very capable economic developers can can uh, manage those kind of things. It's part of, again goes back to like the planning process where you can look at the future and say, here, you know, the next five years, this is what we ought to be uh, spending time on. If again, if you're a community that has a lot of manufacturing uh, companies that make components for the internal combustion engine, you, know, you need to do some thinking <laughs> about what that means for your community. I grew up and I live in a community that was very heavily engaged with the auto industry in the late 70s and early 80s. And when the Japanese transplants came in, uh, the American auto industry suffered until they got their uh, things figured out. And for that reason, this community suffered. And so I don't think there's enough foresight uh, into thinking about how do these uh, global trends impact your local community. And if there's ever been a global trend, it's, it's climate change. So... But that would be an easy first step is to download that. And it's free. So, and if they have more questions, they can certainly reach out to me. I'd be happy to do a consultation with them. Well, good. I, you know, I didn't mean to set you up for that, but that was. That, that was, was great. Horrible. You did a great yeah. job there. <laughs> and we'll include a link to that uh, yeah. with the show notes. So that's good. Um, all right. So I guess given that you're a strategic foresight expert, what else do you see coming down the pike? What else, what else should economic developers be thinking about? Wow, a good question. Um, I think uh, certainly um, all the things that do with climate change, right? So electrification. Let's look, talk about energy for a second. Um, we, a great book to read on this is um, called Titan. Uh, it's by, um, I think, Ron Chernow who wrote Hamilton, which the play and everything is based on. But Ron Chernow wrote a book called Titan, and it's a biography of John D. Rockefeller. And in that book, it, it's a very extensive, very thick book, uh, but it talks about his early days living in Cleveland and um, uh, basically putting together a venture fund uh, and going out to Western Pennsylvania to look at buying some oil wells. And um, he came back and said, no, I didn't spend a dime we're not going to spend them on oil wells. We're going to spend money on building and acquiring refineries. And basically that was the start of uh, standard oil of Ohio. I made John D. Rockefeller 
you know, one of the richest men ever to live and work on this earth. But the point of that story is that before people decided to light up their houses and, and power their world with kerosene, which is essentially the byproduct of the refining uh, that was done back then, uh, what did they use? Do you know? They used whale oil. Whale oil. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. And so there's an economic transformation. People would say, "Why we can use whale oil. Why do we need this stuff that comes out of the ground? This is ridiculous, right? I'm sure there are a lot of people pushing against sure. the use mm-hmm. of kerosene because it was kind of dirty uh, versus whale oil. There's plenty of whales in the ocean, for God's right. sakes. Let's, let's just hunt them down and, and just extract their oil. So there's, you know, it's a mindset, uh, essentially, that, that people have to go through. And so today, it's that mindset of changing from fossil fuel to alternative forms of energy. In fact, I just read an article that said that um, right around now, um, the um, solar panel industry is finally catching up with demand. And so over the next several years, we're going to see more and more solar, local solar panel uh, manufacturing pop up, and you're going to see a lot uh, the prices of solar panels coming down, the prices of battery storage coming down, and in, in terms of energy, I think the big thing that's all of a sudden popped up once again is hydrogen. Um, hydrogen uh, is uh, was at first looked upon as not very efficient, but now all of a sudden, um, and the part part of the reason was. To produce hydrogen, the most common element on Earth, uh, you have to spend more energy creating hydrogen uh, than the power that it puts out. So, um, but now we have green hydrogen. So you got mm-hmm. um, solar and wind energizing plants that make hydrogen, and that that essentially is free. And so, and the other blessing, and this is more long term on power, is nuclear fusion. Uh, some people may have noticed a uh, new story out of uh, Lawrence Livermore Lawrence Livermore Labs in California that they feel they finally solved the nuclear fusion problem, which is very similar to the hydrogen problem. The cost took more electricity to create nuclear fusion than it put out, but through I don't know I don't, I don't know my physics, but using lasers and, right. <laughs> and all kinds of cool stuff, they figured that out. So if we can solve that problem. We've solved energy. I mean, nuclear fusion is different than fission, which is what we see today. It's combining atoms versus splitting them. So it doesn't create mm-hmm. the, all the issues that nuclear fission does. So that's products. energy. Yeah. And, 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 and so those are like high-end, highfalutin kind of stuff that economic developers ought to be thinking about. But I think it's important for them to think of those long-term, out, you know, visionary type of things. Um, let's see. What else? Um, I think... Well, you know, it all revolves around uh, transportation logistics. Also, it's not just electric cars, but electric trucks, you know, electric vehicles, mm-hmm. implementing a a, um, a uh, charging infrastructure, sure. uh, which I think the IRA bill does a lot of work in. And so um, I think uh, the energy is, is probably one of the biggest uh, things that people ought to be looking at. Ask me the question again, and I'll try to... <laughs> well, I, I was thinking, what other topics should they be yeah. thinking about going forward? And, and obviously, energy is the biggest one, because energy tra- touches everything. Everything. And I've been reading that we're moving towards a future in which more things, because of battery tech, increasing battery technology, that more things are going to be 
sort of wireless. So you plug them in and you'll right. charge them and then you can u- utilize them. Part of the IRA was getting rid of or making gas appliances more cost prohibitive. And yeah, there's all of the stuff that goes along with that. But I've heard that there are now stoves that have batteries and you plug them into a a standard 120 socket and you, they charge up the battery and they, the battery then outputs all the electricity at one time to heat up the stove, which was never a thing that was possible in the past. So it's likely that going forward, we'll have more things like that. Your refrigerator will have batteries. You're right. All of those things. Yeah. And that all ties into the internet of things. So that's one of the, one of the things when I worked in a community that had a large semiconductor facility, um, we, I heard a speech once by their director of research and development at at an industry function. And he said, there are like four or five items that are going to, power the semiconductor industry in the future. And if you think about recent history, semiconductor was an issue, right? Because we had, we couldn't even get a new car because there were mm-hmm. a lack of semiconductor chips. And so um, this created a pivot for the company. They were going down the direction of very small micro nanometer, like 0.01 nanometer um, semiconductor chips. And, and that means something in the industry, which, but it also means it's very, very difficult to make and very expensive to make. And so this company backed off um, and said, no, we're going to go more towards the Internet of Things. You know, Internet of Things, 5G, autonomous transportation, electric vehicles, all the things that we use. And I think those are the things that are going to drive our economy in the future. And the, and the, the stove example is also reminds me of uh, you know, like Tesla and all these uh, Rivian and some of these other uh, electric car companies, we're going to go get to the point in the next 10 to 15 years where when you drive your car, you come home, you plug it in, it's let's say it gets fully charged uh, by midnight, uh, snowstorm, rainstorm comes through, knocks out the power, um, the battery pack in your garage or your basement that, that powered your car or stores extra energy is now going to power your house. Or right. if it does more than power your house, it's going to draw energy through your um through your uh, meter and power your neighbor's house as well. And so we'll have this huge interconnected battery storage supply system that will provide for all of our electrical needs. And if you combine hydrogen and fusion and all that, uh, I think that um, it bodes well for the future. You know, I, I've always said that economic developers are, are, optimists. They, they have to be, right? Mm-hmm, <laughs> if you work right. in a community, you have to you know believe that your community is the best place to do business. You have to believe that your workforce is going to uh, perform and are going to continue to learn. And, and you're going to um, hope that uh, uh, everything works out in a positive way. I'm a big optimist, particularly I've, I'm very bullish on technology. I think technology has pulled us out of issues in the past. And I think technology is going to pull us out of any issues that we see uh, popping up today and energy and other things. Politics, I'm not so sure about, but everything else, um, (laughs) uh, I think we're feeling pretty, I'm feeling pretty good about it. And I think that economic developers can be a lead on this rather than waiting to see what happens. So, and I think sometimes we do that a little bit too much. Right. We, we sit back and we, we go in the direction that everybody wants to go. Right. Um, but and, 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 yeah, you, you, sorry, go ahead. I was going to get 
little snarky, but go ahead. <laughs> That's okay. I, I was just going to say that it is a good time to be optimistic in the sense that all of this conversation about climate change or the bulk of the conversation about climate change is rather pessimistic. And I don't want to say it, it's used to sell newspapers and whatnot, but it is in a sense, it's this pessimism. Sure. It's the 24-hour news cycle. They got to have something right. up there all the time. Right. And yet at this point here in 2023, as the world is sort of restructuring post-COVID, post-dependence on China that we've had as our manufacturing partner for the last 20 years, as all of that is coming back, as manufacturing is coming back to the United States, as these developments are taking place, as these new technologies are coming online, it is a really great time to yeah. be here in this space. And if we can be that voice for progress and that voice for optimism and that voice for just advancement of our communities, I think that's a, a fabulous place to, to be. No, I, I agree. And in terms of climate change, what do you find in your own community where you're working? Is that a discussion that's happening? You're kind of in the uh, American oil belt, aren't you? Correct. I am absolutely in the American oil belt. And on the coast in Galveston, there is always discussion about climate change. And there's obviously um, two sides because it is kind of a political issue in right. the sense that people look at the old photos of Galveston and they say, well, the water level was at the same point it it is today, what is this sea level rise we're talking about? And they get distracted and they think that these are the issues when in fact it's all of these other opportunities that you mentioned. And right, right. So there, there is definitely a tension and there's definitely something. And it is interesting, your idea that we can present it as an opportunity as opposed to just yeah. being this negative yeah. thing. And, and I, I think, think that would do again, us well. Yeah, I think if you come armed with the data, you know, and, uh, uh, and in fact, um, I think that there's plenty of information out there regarding that. So um, I know that in one of the projects I've worked on, you know, that that's been an issue. Yeah. And for us, if nothing else, we have uh, petrochemicals everywhere. They're in pipes and they're in plants and they're everywhere. And yet at the same time, the call that I receive the most are people wanting to come and find land to put solar and find land yeah. to put batteries and find land to do these right. more green kind of things. And so if we're experiencing that, everybody's experiencing that. Right, right, exactly. Yeah. And yet there's still some communities that push back. Um, and this governor of the state of Virginia recently uh, pushed back on uh, allowing a solar panel factory to be built. Um, his reason was that it's a front for the Chinese Communist Party. I'm like, all right, there's ways to deal with that. Right, <laughs> you know, right. get get that built and, and create 2,000 jobs, please. I think the people in that community would love to see that. So right, not criticizing him, but criticizing him, you know? So Yeah, right, exactly. And we have the same. Uh, I don't really particularly want solar farms taking up mm -hmm. my valuable industrial land. But right. if I had a if I had a plant that was going to build solar panels, that's a whole totally different situation. Right. You and, know? you know, there's all kinds of opportunities for solar panel installation and, and land that either doesn't work for anything else uh, uh, or buildings, um, you know, solar panels. You could do a whole array in a parking lot, uh, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in the very, very warm and humid south uh, where you live. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, that'd be great to have your car parked in the shade at the airport oh, absolutely. Uh, for three days while you're out traveling. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of opportunities there. Um, and, and so, you know, when I fly from the Midwest out to the West, which I'll be doing here in a couple of days, you know, there's a lot of barren land. <laughs> it's not close to anything, but at the same time, right. I always think, what, what do we do with all that? You know, um, uh, particularly if it's non-productive for agricultural use. So, um, right. I just think that sometimes we put on our blinders and we don't think, in, you know, on a much larger scale when it comes to things like, like this. And so again, um, churn it up, uh, make it happen. Uh, look at things from a, from a total, uh, different mindset than the one that says, Oh my God, you know, we're all going to die you know, because right. of climate change or we can't do it or, or, or my local oil company is going to go out of business. Well, don't we all believe in capitalism? Uh, don't we all right. believe in, you know, you can't keep protecting something, you know, can't protect the whales. Well, you right. can't protect the, you know, the you whale can't protect whales. the whalers is who you yeah, can't protect. Right. You know, at the end that's of, right. at the end of the day, had we, had we protected the whalers, where would, where would we be today? Yeah. We would have, we'd yeah. have no whales and we would have no, you know, lights. So that's yeah. right. That's right. But it's like a very similar is, is why don't we have good, rail transportation in America, right? What's the, why don't we have that? And and I, I wrote a blog piece years ago uh, during the Obama administration when they were trying to push uh, high-speed rail. And uh, the, the answer is when Eisenhower come back came back after World War II, he came back with this idea that he saw how, you know, the Germans had built the Autobahn to transport uh, machinery and war material. And so they passed the... Uh, U.S. Defense Highway Act, something like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure mm-hmm. the exact name, and built the interstate system. And so, had he come back and said, "Wow, you know, the Germans had a great rail system. Let's pass the American Transportation Rail Act. We would have had high speed rail all over the place, and people would be scratching their heads and saying, "Why don't we have good interstates?" Right. So it's it's it really is how you frame the question and how you look at and perceive your reality. And so and you can always change that. Sometimes it takes time. Sometimes um, it doesn't work. But um, if you do it uh, for the right reasons, uh, it at least you can look yourself in the mirror. And that's what I want to do every day. Well, Martin, this has been great. Um, yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. If anybody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, the best way is to go to my website. Uh, of course, do we still say www? Um, you can or not. That, uh, at Martin Carl with a K, Martin Carl, all one word, consulting.com. So Martin Carl Consulting is all one word. Uh, M-A-R-T-I-N-K-A-R-L consulting.com. And on there you can uh, email me. You can sign up for my weekly newsletter called Curated Morning. That comes out every, um, every Thursday morning. Uh, and, uh, you can get the, um, uh, five, uh, steps for a climate change opportunity there. Um, also on a different topic that I'm interested in, I've, I'm going to be, uh, sending out to my subscribers, a, something called a mindset, uh, which is basically a, f- I turned a five s- series of five blog posts into like this little mini ebook about how to change your mindset, which ties into the whole climate change question. So mm-hmm. uh, that'll be available very soon as well. So 
Um, and then there's also a lot of book reviews. I, I, I tend to read a lot and I want to share that with my, with my clients and customers and readers. So, well, excellent. I, you know, I mentioned earlier that we should have you back to talk about this steep thing yes. and yeah. how to, how to, how to think about that. We should definitely do that, but let's do that. I, I would love to talk about that. And, and, uh, you know, the real quickly, the, uh, Orlando economic development, uh, Tim Giuliani, I think his name is, uh, you should reach out to him. I'll connect you, but, um, Absolutely. they've done the whole strategic foresight process, uh, in their organization and community. Uh, they're very ahead of the times from a digital standpoint. They've done the digital, um, twin, uh, mm. for developments. Mm. There's all kinds of cool stuff that they're doing. So, um, maybe get both of us on or something like that. Sounds great. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks. I lo- loved it. Enjoyed it very much. Thank you so much. Cathode Ray is a full-service marketing agency that connects government organizations to their communities. Wondering how they can help you? Here are just a few ideas. They use ingenuity and imagination to create awareness of progress and opportunity within your community. They help residents and visitors find local shopping, dining, and service businesses. They make residents and stakeholders aware of challenges that affect them and their community while encouraging them to get help or get involved. They can also work to help attract new small businesses while helping micro entrepreneurs learn how this small but mighty woman-owned and operated marketing agency can help your community. They use tried and true methods that will connect your organization to your residents using social, digital, and traditional media. Curious? Visit cathoderay.com, that's K-A-T-H-O-D-E-R-A-Y.com to learn more or ask for a free no-obligation consultation. We thank Cathode Ray for their support of the Econ Dev Show. You've been listening to the Econ Dev Show with Dane Carlson. If you're an economic developer who never stops learning, for more expert strategies, fresh insights, and new ideas to take your career, organization, and your community to the next level, visit us on the web at econdevshow.com.